Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Boy, uh, we are excited uh, and and pleased to have with us in the studio for uh, really his uh, his final his final appearance as CEO of the Erie Downtown Development Corporation, Mr. John Persinger. Uh, we're just so sorry to see you go, but we're glad that you're here today. Thank you for having me. It's always great to be here. This is um, uh, a really um, a mixture of emotions yeah. at this time. Um, we're excited for the next adventure, but uh, sad to be leaving behind all the great things that are happening in the community right now. And um, it's uh, there's uh, for those that haven't been downtown, it's really changing, and we're getting close to opening building just a couple weeks away from getting residential tenants in there. So wow. it really is an exciting time. And sorry to be leaving at such such a critical time. Uh, let's let's start with your story here because people. Uh, love you and appreciate you and what you brought to the table. I mean, calls today. Too bad we can't get him to stay, you know. Um, you came back to Erie uh, from your travels abroad and so on. What was it, 2014, 15? We came in the summer of 2011. 11, uh, okay. Right before my final year of law school and then came back for good in 2012. But for those that don't know, I had, um, before going to law school, had a variety of government and political jobs, including working as attache to the U.S. ambassador to Australia. While I was down there, I met my wife, who was a reporter for a local newspaper, the Melbourne Age, and uh, she's from Sydney. My mother-in-law still lives in Sydney. My father-in-law passed away a few years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, because of COVID, my mother-in-law has not seen our kids in three and a half years. Wow. So it's time for uh, us to go back for a bit, just as family brought us here. There's about 30 on my mom's side here in Erie, but um, uh, my mother-in-law is definitely looking forward to having us back. And um, is those are it's part of uh, entering a marriage. You make certain sure. compromises, and you're part of two families, and so it's a balancing act. But uh, as I mentioned from the outset, we're we're sad to be going, but really excited for this next journey. Do you uh, is your wife still a practicing journalist, or is she? You take uh, care of the kids. What's going on? With she's that? had a variety of roles since um, since um, we moved back to America, and really, she's focused more on academic work. She's okay. written a bunch of academic papers. Um, she has a master's in Middle Eastern politics from the American University of Beirut. She'd spent wow. several years um, 
studying, reporting in the Middle East, and her um, academic work had focused on the um, sort of plight of women in the Middle East. Wow. When we returned to Australia, I'm not sure what she's going to do. Um, we, uh, I don't have a job lined up yet, so the plan is just get over there. We land on a Wednesday. The kids start school on a Tuesday, so we got to take care of those things, sure. and then we'll look for jobs. The, um, the idea of your experience here in economic development and, and this networking that you've done, because I think that's really the X factor that you brought to this is your ability to feel comfortable in front of a congressional hearing. I mean, you're representing, I mean, come on, John, this stuff didn't really happen. <laughs> or it's not part of, 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 of Erie's legacy is to have significant, um, you know, significant, uh, appearance in front of Erie, you know, for Erie in front of, of, of Washington. You know what I mean? Well, I've been really grateful to our board. Um, we've got great leadership um, at our board. They are the ones who came up with the idea for the organization. They're the ones who more importantly came up with the money to uh, hire staff and be able to start the work. Um, and they entrusted the organization on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis with me. I was not a typical developer. I'm not mm -hmm. a, I didn't come from the real estate background, but development involves a little bit of everything. And this type of work is more than just real estate development. This is a hybrid of community and economic and real estate development. So it involves so many different components. And I, I am appreciative that our board saw that I had a very a variety of roles in my background and realized that I had the potential to do something um, in this role. And, and, and certainly you have. Let's look at the accomplishments here. Um, when, when, this, when this organization was started, when you were tapped to be the CEO of the organization, what was the financial investment of that time by the Erie Equity Fund? So at, yeah, at the start we there was um, they had raised two point um, eight million dollars for the EDDC for operating funds to last yeah. three years, and then we had to figure it out from there. Okay. Um, and then there was twenty seven and a half million dollars that had been raised for the equity fund, and our goal was to leverage that fund for a three to one ratio. Other wow. communities that have done this work, they've started with public dollars that were either grant money or zero interest loans or very low interest loans. This is all private money and it was expecting a return, granted a little bit lower than market rate return, but still we were expected, we are expected to get generate returns from these projects. So we wanted to leverage this for a three to one ratio and we're well on that way. Incredible. And, and, and we reached uh, with with the uh, the outside investors, with the Opportunity Zone investors, uh, we reached a hundred million, didn't we? Or we are get close. Um, we're we are close. We are working through some tax credits for our final okay. projects, um, which are the middle of North Park Row, um, but that will put us well over a hundred million dollars. Wow, wow! Remember, you taught us though that the idea of this whole project is to build things where no typical private investor would ever build because what do we have like a 35 million dollar building across the street so across the street is a great example it is going to be about 22 million dollars and it only appraised for about uh that one was 12 million dollars 
Okay. So that was actually better. That's, a, that's actually <laughs> a better ratio than I was. I was saying it's 35 and it appraised at nine. So yeah. you actually got you got three more million and, and, and build it for less than I thought it would cost. But on North Park Row, we spent 26 and a half million and that appraised for 7.7. 7. Oh so think about that when you you're basically spending a hundred thousand dollars on a house that's only worth thirty thousand dollars who would do that deal nobody does nobody does that deal you're not making money you're losing money in the short term the reason it works out is because we've got patient investors who believe in the long-term potential of erie and they're willing to wait until the uh, values of these projects increase for them to get a return so but it does the value is not necessarily in the book value of the building. Doesn't the value come in the cash flowing of the building? It's both. It's okay. Both. So um, there's definitely cash flows coming from the rents, be it commercial or residential. But for some of our investors, they are opportunity zone investors. They're taking advantage of the tax incentives from the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And they're holding it for 10 years or more with the plan to sell it after 10 years to take advantage of those tax benefits. Okay. Wow. Wow. So um, let's take a look at this this phase one. And, and some of this stuff will not be completed by the time you leave next week. So, uh, <laughs> so we, we've got... Um, We've got literally the apartments about to open on the south, uh, or excuse me, the northwest corner of Fifth and State. What do you call that? Fifth and State? Fifth, Fifth, Fifth and State. state. West. Yep. Yeah. Fifth and State. So we yeah. have 30 apartments that will open July uh, 15th. Wow. Uh, we'll start moving tenants in July 15th. And I say moving tenants in because of those 30 apartments, we already have about a uh, half of them leased out. So uh, we haven't done any advertising, no marketing, no promotion, um, but people see the construction going on. They um, feel the energy and the excitement and the momentum down here. They want to be a part of it. They've reached out to us, and that's why we have half of those apartments already leased. Yeah, and, and Ryan's list continues to grow. <laughs> it does, and yes. And he keeps, he keeps marching people through these apartments. <laughs> so we've got that uh, uh, coming online, the, uh, the, the uh, Ascent Erie probably by christmas or maybe before hopefully that sooner than that hopefully okay. we're, we're talking about fall time frame they're yeah. working on building their climbing walls there will be a two-story wall on the corner here but then a four-story a 52-foot climbing wall on fifth street um it's going to be um something that you won't be able to find elsewhere in the tri-state region it will really be a draw for getting people downtown i mean ryan brought shaney and tanai and i up there Oh my gosh, that's that's a high wall. It is that high. five story wall. It's scary. So it's it's got to be totally challenging for the real the enthusiast, right? Yes. Plus it's plus it's like a regular gym, right? There's gonna be free you know, weights, cardio equipment, yeah. yoga studio. It will have everything that you could want in a fitness uh, facility. Amazing. All right, so that's coming online. Of course, where we're at is the Deluca Block, but all of the shops here at Fifth and State they are quickly becoming uh, activated and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of traffic on on state street that there never was we had a really magical night two weeks ago it was boutique night there was a car show down here there was kickball happening the streets were filled with easily a few thousand people it was so much fun to see so many people out enjoying downtown 
frequenting the shops, um, going to the all the new food vendors down here. It was a glimpse of the downtown that we're becoming, and it was really cool to see. Really amazing, and of course, uh, at, at you know the original project of uh, of uh, you know the 500 block of or, or yeah the 500 block of State as well as uh, North Park Row, the old Sherlock's and Park Place. That is the food hall. That's the uh, the also uh, down the street is the public market. Um, major accomplishments, in my opinion. Shaney was there. Every time I'm there, it's packed at lunch. I mean, it's really got a got a, a constant uh, thing going on. You know, it is serving the role that we had hoped for it, and that's to be the community's dining room. You go there any time of day, any day of the week, and you're likely to run into someone you know or to meet someone you don't know. And that's what we wanted that place to be. In addition to trying and sampling some of Erie's uh, best culinary talent. So mm-hmm. that's been a really fun project. It's been cool to see the vendors uh, who are in there and great to see all this, the happy fi- faces that leave. Well, and, and even with a bit of the, the churn, you know, I mean, it, it, it's still like, People, there's ready people to fit into the booth as soon, if a booth comes open. And that's part of what we envisioned it as well. Yeah. Everyone knows the food and beverage uh, industry, the restaurant industry, is really challenging. And the majority of restaurants fail in a very quick time. We wanted to create a space where local food and beverage operators could try something, a new concept, a new uh, menu, a new food, and not feel as if they are mortgaging their entire future. Yeah. So um, because we have people who are willing to step in uh, if someone leaves, that's been great to see that um, see that continuity in those spaces. Are you seeing the kind of cash flowing that you projected for the food hall, would you say? Well, our projections were done before COVID. Okay. So that's been an interesting part of this all is, is recalculating just everything in – and we say COVID, but there were so many, so many um, uh, ripple effects of COVID. Mm-hmm. You had supply chain, you had labor shortages, you had uh, inflation, you had interest rates increase. So um, we've had to do some adjustments because of all those external factors. But I think, again, that's another reason where the board should deserve credit because it would have been easy to, it, with any one of those factors, say, no, let's not do this project, let's stop, let's you know, close, close up the doors. And in fact, you saw a lot of projects around the country take that exact approach, right. and they've just never gotten off the ground. But fortunately, our board said, we're not investing for the next 50 days, we're investing for the next 50 years. So keep pushing through, keep, push, keep pushing through all these challenges, and we will get there. And as you can see, I'm, I'm glad that we had that guidance because now we've got buildings opening and we're coming out of COVID. Hopefully inflation lowers Starts, a little bit, yeah, rebalances, mm-hmm. but, um, but that, we were fortunate that we had a board with that long-term mindset. John, I'm, I'm kind of doing a little survey here of the, your accomplishments here with the EDDC. What we didn't mention is, uh, but it was brought up even today with callers, you know, you gave, you gave a pretty solid mayoral run in the middle of all this. <laughs> before you, before you, you got this current role, I, I mean, when you look back at that, that was quite, you really put yourself out there. Was that a positive experience? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, um, I told people I went in to win, and there was a path to victory, and I know where we fell short. But 
um, um, so the the goal was to win, and obviously in politics it's a winner take all. There's no runner up, and so um, I was disappointed not to have won. I do think a a a mayor has a broader reach than just a few blocks in downtown, and a transformational mayor can really do transformational things for an entire region. With that being said, I I wouldn't give back that experience. It was a wonderful experience, a very humbling experience. To have the opportunity to go all across the city and go door to door and really hear um, from residents firsthand what their hopes are for the community, what their fears are, what their worries are, um, was very humbling and uh, just a, a great experience. We were fortunate to have a great campaign team, a lot of people who volunteered, who helped out, and something I could have never uh, expected, the amount of support that we had, and so uh, just a great experience. Yeah, we're going to circle back to some thoughts about Erie as as you uh, make your way out, because I want to, I think uh, one of the one of, we have to have these critical conversations about, you know, this clear eyed conversations about Erie and where it's going and what what are going to be the the big hurdles that we need to jump over. But let's continue to talk about EDDC here. Uh, I mentioned the the public market. And um, I mean, let's just let's let's be let's face it. Changing people's um, patterns is very difficult in retail. Yes, and that uh, has been one of our challenges. There is a fully fully operating grocery store here in downtown, um, thanks to the Erie Food Cooperative and, and Gordon's Market. Um, residents downtown, though, have been used to shopping at the Rite Aid that is down the street and the Dollar General that's down the street. And so to break people's shopping habits and convince them that there's something closer, something a healthier option, a more local option has been a challenge. But um, we're fortunate that we've got great partners. And these organizations being local organizations means we have direct contact with decision makers. And I can't say enough about um, the teams, the, the staff, the management, the boards behind the Erie Food Cooperative and Gordon's Market and Luminary Distillery because mm. it's just a different relationship when you're dealing with some corporate entity that's based in another city. Absolutely. Do you feel like uh, that it, it's going to need some more marketing? And I, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but my experience is that it's been quiet on that side of the block. It has, and part of that is also the construction. Okay, you know, sure, fi- you can't get there, right? Fifth Street has been yeah. blocked off. Their main entrance is on Fifth Street. Okay. It was designed for the Fifth Street entrance to be the main entrance, knowing that the parking garage was coming in right across mm. the street. And so that um, their entrance has been blocked for since their opening. Um, we will hopefully finish construction at Fifth and Peach later this year, and then yeah. we'll be able to open up Fifth Street and, and uh, welcome people to that main entrance. But that has been a challenge that we've had to work around. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, what else is coming. So you mentioned Fifth and Peach. Um, the, and, let me, and while I have a second here, I find it genius that you decided to stay with retail and residential because we're seeing now what's going on with with office space, uh, at least across the country. Not that Erie uh, had a glut of office space, but office space is a different commodity right now, considering remote work. That's 
this is another area where the board deserves great credit because when we were formed in, in 2018 and getting off the ground, there was push for a lot of commercial office space that was easy to fill. We had a lot of demand from small to mid-sized professional firms, but we really talk a lot about cultivating that eerie experience in downtown and specifically cultivating uh, that ground floor experience. So as you're walking along the street and you're passing by great restaurants and shops and boutiques, and as someone just waved to us, a yeah. uh, uh, radio station that's airing live, that makes a difference about how you feel than if you were looking at the closed offices of a, of a professional firm. And so that's we were really fortunate that we were able to stick with that and, and not knowing that COVID was coming and the onslaught of uh, remote work, but uh, that was another great uh, pivot point that could, we could have gone another direction, but our board had the foresight to stay, have us focus on that ground floor experience. So ground floor on Fifth and Peach, uh, there's some cool things happening here, and then residential above. When, what's the target on that one? Um, we're moving along with construction. Um, the it, Because of the way that the building wraps around the corner at fifth and peach it's had a it has a very intricate design so there's um been need, there's been the need for additional uh, design and engineering work for the exterior but we're making our way through that and okay. hopefully should be finished and opening doors later this year yeah, and the, the ramp is open to at least there are a few floors, right? That's right. The parking garage uh, has 82 spaces open. The first two floors are open. We'll open the remaining floors um, when the wrap building at 5th and Peach gets finished. So at that point in time, there will be 312 wow. additional spaces down here. And I've, I've seen uh, you know a lot of usage there, so people but are starting to gravitate to it. It's been a great resource for our residential tenants, for our uh, commercial business owners and their employees. And, and by the way, so your listeners know, there are some very exciting things coming at 5th and Peach. And... Joel has been pushing and digging me, uh, to try and figure out what's coming, but I, I promise I wouldn't break too much news today. Okay, we, we, we will get to that. John, uh, we've been kind of going over um, the, the, the projects that are in hand. You were mentioning there's one more project there uh, in the middle of North Park Row. Uh, which is kind of bridging everything together and has more residential. It does. So there is a, we have to restore the historic Marlena Place building. Um, there are two retail spaces in that building and then six residential units on the upper floors. We will also build a new building in the gap that will have three retail spaces, 14 new apartments, an indoor courtyard that connects the food hall to the market, and uh, additional green space, which will allow us to do more programming, more events, more activities, and also have a space for your pets to run loose a little nice. bit. Nice. Yeah. You know, when, when I remember uh, when they did the study, uh, I can't remember if it was the, the Cleveland Charette or, or somebody was, then they, they established that there'd be demand for 750 new apartments downtown. Well, this is just scratching the surface of that, right? I mean, we're talking 140 or so That's with right. phase one. Yeah, we'll have 122 in this initial phase um, from these 12 projects. And so there's still plenty of room for more residential units in downtown. We see the demand that's been one of the, I think, the most successful aspects 
uh, of our developments. We have, as I mentioned earlier, uh, 30 apartments across the street at Fifth and State, which will be opening on July 15th. Half of those residential units are already leased, and I envision the remaining half will go pretty quickly. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And we saw the view of the one which we know is already taken, but it, you know, you're just watching the, the bicentennial tower and the fireworks above it. it, it it's remarkable. Um, do you feel like again the initial the the initial uh mission was to shock the market we're starting to see your neighbors starting to do their thing you know uh you know more north on the uh on the west side of state here in the 400 block there's some new uh, new businesses uh going up there of course uh captain hagan uh, had a couple of projects there with that fresh mart and that one uh you know I think that was uh, Horace Greeley's house or something like that, right? I mean, we're seeing it all around this neck of the woods, right? That's right. And um, in the Children's Museum, which yes. just opened, and I, and not just here, but um, you, you talk to um, um, the folks who are buying the Renaissance building or have bought the Renaissance building cited the investment that's happening by all the local actors as a reason for them to to purchase, to buy, buy that building. Yeah. It's really tough to get outside money if you are not investing in yourselves. And so that was the role of our organization from the beginning is to take on the worst of the worst of these projects in downtown, get them turned around. We knew we couldn't do all of this by ourselves. We needed to attract others to help in the revitalization process. And it's great to see that finally happening now. Yeah. Can you comment on... uh Someone from California using the Opportunity Zone legislation to buy the Renaissance Center, the old Baldwin building. Uh, we got to thank uh, Tom Kennedy for you know being a good steward of that of that landmark. But they've got some exciting ideas to re to reactivate that building. That's right. It's such an exciting time in the community right now with everything that we're doing with what's going to happen at the Renaissance Building, with the Children's Museum opening and their expansion. Um, Pete uh, Zaffris, the Pete's, old Union Bank, right? Pete Zaffris is working on his building. Um, I know they're they're trying to get going on the Bayfront with more development. And it's remarkable to think how much Erie has changed in the last five years and how much it's going to change in the next five years and change for the better. Mm. After years, maybe decades of uh, being stagnant, it feels like there is finally a momentum in the community. There's a belief uh, in the future that the future is going to be better than the past. And um, that's why it makes it a very bittersweet time to be departing. Yeah. Talk about um, that. what you're hearing from the board about the vision for this EDDC footprint. Do you see it expanding? Do you see more acquisition? Is this going to be a time of, of baby, you know, once these 12 projects are done, of kind of seeing uh, cash flow and making decisions for the, for the new, for a new phase? What, do you, what, do you, what, do you ex- what are you expecting, you think? With this first phase, we knew we had to get a critical mass. So we had to get these 12 projects up and running as quickly as possible to show others that this was real, this was actually happening, and attract additional investment. With this, uh, what, with what comes next, the board knows that there's still plenty of more work to be done in downtown, and they've had a number of discussions about what's possible. I know that the next CEO will continue those discussions, and um, I um, can't say 
specifically about one property or another, but I do know that there is an appetite to continue to do the great work that's been happening. What, what do you think that it's still focused around retail and residential? Do you, do you feel like that seems to be the winning combination? Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm thinking about there's properties on fourth street that are going to start looking out of place for what's going on. And, and, and soon enough, you're going to be butting into uh, the the Hammett infrastructure, the medical infrastructure. That's you know Third Street and Second. I mean, it that I can see that kind of the the growth uh, oriented that way towards the Bayfront. You know, if you look at a map, we are surrounded by great anchor institutions. Um, not just here in in downtown area, but even just a mile away. You think of uh, St. Vincent's campus isn't that far from us, and so um, I'm not sure if the particularly in light of everything that's going on in the world, whether there needs to be more commercial office space, um, we have seen that there is definitely demand for residential housing in downtown, and mm. there's plenty more room to develop more housing in downtown. It's, 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 it's amazing. Uh, uh, you know, about getting uh, people to utilize the retail space, you mentioned uh, Boutique Night. Is it, is it take the programming? Does it really take intentionality to change people's habits? You are spot on. We know we are living in the age of Amazon and we are having to compete against uh, people who can open up an app on their phone, press a couple buttons and have something delivered to their door the next day. When we look at commercial partners, we look at who's going to create an experience that will draw people downtown. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've been fortunate to find such great commercial partners like yourselves, um, like Point Four, like Primo Tailoring. They do a great job of figuring out the different events, promotions, activities that will get people to avoid shopping online, but mm -hmm. instead come downtown. I've, I've noticed too that, like, you know, in talking to, for example, Louis at uh, Lewis at Primo, you know, I mean, he's got a pretty significant product line. I mean, you're not going to walk out with a $150 suit out of that place. Um, is there a niche for maybe more high-end retail that's coming out of this development, do you think? There is a niche for local retail. I think there is a real strong um, interest in supporting local uh, local businesses, local operators, local craftsmen and women. And what you see that Lewis does well is he is uh, he makes it a personal experience. Yeah. And so you don't feel as if you're just going into any um, clothing store in any town USA, but you feel like you're getting uh, a personal experience with Lewis who knows everything about clothes. And um, I, I like the polo, but I think it would be great to see you in black tie one of these days. <laughs> right. I know yeah. Lewis could make you a custom-fitted tuxedo oh or a dinner jacket. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're hilarious. Uh, hey, let's talk about some of the other things that are that are on tap. The Brig Cigar Lounge. Yes. Uh, I, uh, we, I talked to, or actually on, on, our, on our Friday entrepreneurship show, Entre Radio 814, yeah. Um, Josh Haberski was on talking about, yeah, it's been going slower than he thought, but boy, we, we we're on our way here and stuff is, uh, under construction. That's going to be coming online pretty soon here in the next few months. And to, um, 
promote the opening, he's doing a pop-up this summer from mm-hmm. the lobby of the Bunnell Building, which is 419 State Street. So if you're looking for cigars, you can come downtown on Fridays and Saturdays throughout the summer. Also a different event. Um, he'll have his uh, pop-up operating. So look for him if you're uh, if you're in the, the need for a good quality cigar but uh, or, or an espresso. He's got those for sale as well. It's quite an experience that he creates. Well, again, his- it, 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 is a, it is a higher-end experience. I find that, I mean, what, what, what is coming out of this is, yeah, there is a market to not just be, you know, bottom lining everything, but people will, will, will pay or invest for a higher end experience. That's right. And it goes back to that experience. If the customer feels like they're having a quality experience and then they will seek that out. And again, we're fortunate that we've got great commercial partners who offer that experience. Let's talk about bricks too, because, uh, uh, because that's a, that's a, I'm, I'm trying to understand now, is that a venture of the guys from, uh, straw hat or is that your venture no justin and chris they have a great history together they worked at edinburgh dining services for a long time they've worked in different restaurants um they had took over straw hat ice cream shop and opened north row philly it was their dream to do a restaurant together and we had talked to them we talked to a number of different operators and they were just they were one they're good people we always look for good people we want to work with good people and Two, they are good operators over at the food hall, and we did a, quite a few taste testings, and we found out three, they do a great job with their yeah. with their higher end uh, steaks and yeah. and seafood dishes, and so. How's the traffic been? I it's know. it's been um, great. What we find, I think, here in the summertime, it is a quieter time for downtown mm-hmm. right now. We spend a lot of time here in Erie cooped up during the winters. When it gets nice, we flock to the water, whether it's to the peninsula or to uh, marinas or to pools. So downtown is a little quieter, but they're, uh, they definitely um, they've, they continue to have um, quite um, busy Friday and Saturday nights. They? Yeah, They also have a private dining room. So if you've got a, a, a private event that you want to host a meeting uh, a celebration they will take care of you makes sense yeah like a what do you call it a uh, rehearsal dinner or something like that it makes a lot of sense all right i i've got i'm down in my life like last six seven minutes here with john persinger here on talk erie and i have to pivot okay so we we talked about your accomplishments we talked about the vision uh of the eddc i want to broaden the scope to erie because again there was a passion there about this community that um, that led you to run for mayor, and I, part of one of the conversation the conversation we have here all the time is we we're staying optimistic and we're pointing out we're educating ourselves and our listeners about all the amazing things that are happening in all parts of our life. Yet we have to stay clear-eyed at the challenges of what we have here. We have an education system that's under stress. Mm -hmm. We have neighborhoods that are not seeing the kind of investment that other neighborhoods get. And we were just saying uh, in the first hour about why should somebody on Cherokee uh, have more of an experience than somebody on Wallace? If you're living in this city, you should feel safe, you should feel um, that that public services are available to you and so on. I don't want to get political, but I want to talk about um, that passion 
and what you learned when you were when you were campaigning and what are the essentials that Erie needs to still still tackle like what are, what are the, I mean I, I'm concerned about I'm concerned about our success uh, factors for example in the k-12 education mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of hard workers and a lot of wonderful people but if 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 we don't cure that that's an issue you know for example yeah and that's um why we made um education the number one issue during the campaign great schools will attract businesses they'll attract people who want to live there which has a a, you know a, a, a ripple effect right um gets the flywheel going correct and we are not immune to challenges in the 21st century. There are a lot of um, communities that are going through these challenges at this time. We are fortunate in the one sense that we are small and we can figure it out. One of the things that I would hear during our travels as we shared the Erie story is with the other communities that are larger than us, they couldn't even figure out who to invite to a meeting to start talking about doing this type of work. And I say, fortunately in Erie, there's no six degrees of separation. There's about two degrees of separation. So you don't even need to try and figure out who's in the in the meeting. You can yeah. call people. You see them on the streets. You see them at the grocery store. And we're fortunate that we are a smaller community, so we can get together and try to figure out these challenges. But they are big challenges, and um, we are we have to have leadership that is focused on the future. The Erie of today is much different than the Erie that my mom and her siblings grew up in. And education today is different than the education that, you know, my mom's aunts and uncles experienced when they were growing up. And there are different job opportunities. So we need we need leadership that is focused on the future and figuring out Erie's role in that future. Um, but again, we are fortunate where we are small enough where we can hopefully figure that out. Do you feel like um, there's still elements of those that are actually have some power that are still clutching to the old ways or the old silos? Uh, in insofar as you know, I mean, we're, I mean, Twelfth Street's Twelfth Street can be renewed. I feel like the EMI projects is a great first step, and of course, some of the other things that are happening there that you know that that are you know going concerns. You know, America Tinning. I mean that. I mean, they're 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 an ongoing super business, you know. I, I mean, how do we balance all that out of of Erie in the future, Erie manufacturing, Erie meds and eds, Erie services, and of course Erie tourism as we go in the future? It sounds trite, but it really comes down to leadership. We wouldn't be formed our organization without the leadership of our board organizations. They're the ones who stepped forward and said, we're going to do this and we're going to put our own money into it to make it happen. Um, I often heard this phrase that there are silos around town, but what did I just say? There's two degrees of separation. So there's not really silos. There's a lack of leadership and there's a lack of people willing to stick their neck out and take risks and, and make tough decisions because part of it is we live in a uh, smaller community so everyone has to get along because you're living next door to someone who may be impacted by your decision but it's going to take leadership to have a big bold vision and make some tough decisions going forward how does erie attract another high capacity passionate highly capable leader like john persinger 
to not only to replace you for EDDC, but to be that critical catalyst for the eerie of the future. I appreciate those kind words. I, I will point out this has been a, a huge community effort. You know, you see across the street all the people who are working on the construction project, and you see, like yourselves, the small businesses that have taken a risk on downtown and the upper floor residents who have moved in. So there's been a lot of people who have contributed to the success of the revitalization of downtown. Going, I've been fortunate that I've been empowered by our board. Our board, um, they were able to make decisions pretty quickly as private entities. Um, they were able to sustain some public backlash. If in the short term, it may not have looked like the right decision. They were taking the long-term view and they weren't worried about the next election cycle. So we've been fortunate in that regard. Um, but a lot of this stuff, this is not new when you all the work that we're doing and in the community not just with us but other community groups there are other groups that have done this before so it takes someone just willing to look beyond Erie's borders and figure out what's worked well in other communities what hasn't the challenge really lies with figuring out how to make it work in Erie how to make it work from a cultural standpoint from a economic standpoint that's where the challenge lies. So the, um, um, the board's, again, really done a phenomenal job by forming the organization, getting it funded, allowing us to push forward through all these challenges. And whoever comes into the next role, into this role after me, I know we'll have that board support. And so that's why it's, it's a really exciting time for the community, at least from a downtown perspective. I'm going to leave it there. We'll leave on a positive <laughs> note. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. For all of your hard work Thank and passion. Thank you for coming downtown. And sorry to the good folks of Waterford. But it was <laughs> great to steal you and get you downtown because this is where you should be. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's definitely uh, an amazing thing to chronicle all of this change. And it's, it's good change. Thank you for, uh, uh, for being that catalyst that Absolutely. Erie needed. Absolutely. John Thank Persinger, you. the CEO of the Erie Downtown Development Corporation here. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. Talk